thanks everybody for in, for inviting me to speak today. And I look forward to talking about some of uh, um, some of the epic research that I think is relevant to these topics that we that we've been teed up today. And as uh, I think um, as the attendees have heard, there have been a couple of, of references to the epic program, the CEC funding. Um, but I'll get into that in a little bit more detail, and then I'll talk about some of our examples of our research that relate to this area or research that we funded. <clears throat> so for those who don't know, the Electric Program Investment Charge is a ratepayer-funded program, research program, um, funded by the ratepayers of the investor-owned utilities, um, so PG&E, SCE, and SDG&E. Um, uh, that money is uh, shared among the IOUs and the CEC to fund research that will support the ratepayers in, in those territories. Um, and as, as Gary mentioned previously, uh, some of the research that they're working on that he talked about in his talk is, is EPIC funded. They're using some of their EPIC research funding to look at these issues, particularly those that are supporting um, uh, in, uh, innovations in the state for um, uh, preventing wildfires and uh, making the the system uh, hardened. So um, it's uh, the research is, covers a lot of different topics, a lot of different areas. Um, I will, oops, there. Um, so from the CEC perspective, we're really looking at three kind of broad categories as driving our research initiatives. <clears throat> as you know, the state's priorities on decarbonization are, are very strong. And so we have uh, multiple uh, efforts that focus on uh, removing our reliance on fossil fuels and um, improving the renewable generation that we would utilize to make our uh, state greener. Um, and I'll skip the middle one and go to resiliency. Resiliency, as you know, is very important. Um, the wildfires of this year and of previous, previous recent years have shown that having uh, solutions to, that provide ratepayers with resiliency is critical um, and is needed sooner rather than later. And some of the other technologies talked about today will help um, in that arena as well. And then I would say across the board, we also have an emphasis on affordability and equity in the sense that we really want to make these clean energy solutions available to um, the residents in low income and disadvantaged communities they're usually the last to get the opportunity to um, take advantage of newer technologies and we're wanting to find ways to bring these newer technologies into those communities. They also um, will benefit the most from reduction in their energy use. And so um, that kind of theme goes across all of our research and is, is a critical emphasis. I'd have to say that, that if I think about EPIC our EPIC strategy on the technology level, I would say that we have efforts that look at integration across the board. So as in introduction, it was pointed out that my team works on the smart grid related. So we're very um, uh, technology integration focused related to microgrids, uh, energy storage, um, and kind of tools for aggregation of distributed energy resources. Um, but we also have research areas that focus just on specific technology. So um, uh, as was previously noted, there's a, a high demand for a diversity of energy storage uh, technologies in the state. And so we have a very robust research program that focuses on diversifying the portfolio of technologies available to the state, whether they, and, and we generally focus on non-lithium ion technologies. And so, 
uh, integration uh, research areas and technology focused um, uh, areas. Um, here's kind of a layout of our, um, our portfolio over the last about eight years. We are excited to know that, or uh, excited to have uh, the CPUC renew this program just recently. Uh, the original program was set up for 10 years and that's rapidly coming to a close at the end of this year. And so the PUC had a proceeding which just renewed the EPIC program for another 10 years. So we're very excited about that and renewed our funding at, for the CEC for another about, we have about 130 million a year. And as you can see, we, we distribute that across a variety of different topic areas to help bring innovation to the state. And I would say that We've had uh, quite a bit, as you can see, in the decarb and resiliency area, um, and even in, uh, in multiple areas of decarb. We have more growing in the transportation electrification sector, and I think you'll find in the future that we'll be uh, looking more at hydrogen. That came up earlier in the conversation, and the, we see the, the necessity of expanding our uh, analysis of where hydrogen can provide long-term storage or other um, solutions to the state, um, also in decarbonization. Um, here's just some numbers that we like to throw out to show the impact of the program. Since it's ratepayer funded, we like to show the ratepayers that we do provide value to them uh, for this funded research. Um, in, the, in the approximately 1 billion of, of funding that we have um, released over the last eight years, um, the projects and the companies that were supporting that research have resulted in about $1.8 billion in um, additional funding, private investment after our research, which we think is a very strong sign that we're looking at technologies that have commercial viability and those technologies are making their way into the market. Um, and the other statistic that I wanna point out is uh, relative to one of my earlier slides is this uh, desire to do more in low-income and disadvantaged communities. So 65% of our technology demonstrations um, are being conducted in low-income disadvantaged communities to really look at that nexus of where they can provide the greatest value in those communities. And we're gonna continue to have a focus on that moving forward. Um, it's just a very important part of our state um, uh, goals to help those communities. Now what I'm gonna do is go through some examples of research that's either been complete and funded or is in the process of the design and build out phase to show you some of the diversity of the technologies and the solutions that we um, have funded. So uh, one of our most uh, well-known and award-winning projects is the Blue Lake Rancheria, which was developed by the Schatz Energy Center at Humboldt State um, at the Blue Lake Rancheria up in um, Humboldt area. This uh, rancheria uh, has a casino. That casino is a Red Cross shelter. They wanted to design the microgrid to be able to provide renewable backup um, and storage to, for that microgrid to support the community shelter in the event of an outage. There are uh, many potential um, uh, environmental challenges that can happen up in the Northeast, um, or excuse me, in the Northwest, not only the wildfires, but also they're prone to potential for tsunamis. Um, and so having backup power for the, for the community was critical. Um, as of last year, they had a great demonstration of this microgrid, which is up and running. And during the recent PSPS event um, up there, they were able to support about 10,000 
um, of the local residents either providing power at the community shelter, providing rooms at the hotel for those who have medical equipment where they need to um, have that operational while the grid is out. Uh, they have associated with this a um, gas station with a convenience mart that was able to provide food, ice, and fuel to those who needed it during that, those power outages that was a multi-day outage um, up in, up in um, Arcata and Eureka. So um, very uh, phenomenal uh, example of the value that a microgrid can provide and the integration that has to happen when you're combining large amounts of solar with storage, uh, building loads, and distributing that and controlling that in a way that can provide the backup power. Um, we've had a lot of conversations so far this morning about demand response. Uh, I think most people are, are familiar with Ohm Connect. They're one of our earlier um, uh, funded projects. They've done very well in rolling this solution out. And in fact, during the most recent blackouts or potential blackouts that were occurring um, earlier this summer, uh, they were able to go into um, operation and, and be able to save quite a bit of, of uh, uh, energy for the state to uh, take the load off and um, make it easier for us to ride through those potential problems. Um, I will we'll, um, also note that OpenADR, which Scylla mentioned earlier, was had some CEC funding. And she was also has been involved in driving a number of our demand response and what I consider um, kind of aggregation of DER uh, solutions, bringing those to the market. So she's been, when she was at uh, Stanford, did quite a bit for research in this area um, and made some really successful projects uh, that were, that were uh, epic funded. Next one I want to talk about is one that's in the design phase, which is, which is pretty interesting. We're very excited about it. So this is also the Schatz Energy Center um, up at Humboldt State. They took the lessons learned from the Blue Lake Rancheria and they combined forces with the Redwood Coast Energy Authority who wanted to build a large solar array, the 2.2 megawatt solar array that they could provide uh, and, and participate in the CAISO market. But they wanna be able to use that um, for other purposes, including supporting the local airport, which is not only important for their um, accessibility, but also helps to support the Coast Guard and their emergency operations. Um, so this is one of the first um, joint this is the first joint IOU uh, end user microgrid. So the front uh, end of the microgrid, the front of the meter portion will be owned and operated by PG&E and the behind the meter portion will be owned and operated by the Redwood Coast um, Energy Authority. And they'll be providing support to multiple customers during a grid outage. And um, so as part of that, they're looking at trying to create some uh, creative tariffs that can be uh, possibly a template for uh, joint efforts between the utilities and CCAs in the future. This one is being watched very closely as part of the PUC's current proceeding related to microgrids and resilience and the interest in having uh, solutions that can um, provide multiple customers and deal with the challenges associated with multiple customers. Um, as folks may or may not know, there are some challenges in the state legally and um, regulatorily around uh, providing power to multiple customers, particularly if you're not a utility, you have to be a utility to do that. Um, either create your own utility or, or, or partner with an existing utility to make, make that happen. And so the, the regulatory and legal as, uh, aspects of this make these challenging. This is 
one project that's getting past that. There are other projects that are struggling a bit because of the desire to create community microgrids and the ability to share power among different customers. Um, uh, this is one of those, the uh, Lancaster Advanced Energy Community, which is really interesting in the sense that they're wanting to create a virtual power plant approach, which is connected multiple microgrids, um, whether it be municipal facilities or two uh, zero net energy affording housing developments that are new construction and looking to um, deploy different kinds of um, energy storage to each of the different communities to be able to evaluate the value of different kinds of energy storage, whether it's lithium ion or flywheel um, to support the, those communities. So there'll be solar, new construction meeting Title 24 requirements with solar and also with um, aggregated um, uh, energy storage. And so this is gonna be a very interesting one um, that will that is really a big picture approach. And this is in um, collaboration with Lancaster Choice Energy. Um, I uh, wanna briefly mention our vehicle grid integration projects. We have a number of projects um, in this area and I won't go into detail, but I wanted to make sure we touched on it since there are others that mentioned vehicle grid integration where we have projects that are not just looking at smart charging um, and controlling the charges in say uh, parking garages or in fleets, but also looking at bi-directional charging and the, and the opportunities and challenges associated with that, as well as the combination of different distributed energy resources, whether it's solar storage and vehicle charging combined to see what the, what the right nexus is either in a residential sector or in a, um, in a um, public uh, uh, public transit um, forum. So we have a number of different projects here and I just wanna make sure I, I talked about that. And I didn't include a slide here, but I did wanna mention that we have a, a large portfolio that we have funded just this year on energy storage and that energy storage technologies are both developing new types of technologies that are non-lithium ion, as well as uh, demonstrating long duration energy storage. And for this solicitation, the long duration energy storage is focused on at least 10 hours or more. And most of the, or, or a number of the recipients actually combined different types of non-lithium ion technology, whether it be flow or flywheel, or some just chose large flow batteries to produce this um, long duration storage. So we're very excited about these new projects because I think that they're gonna bring um, a great learning and capability building for um, advancing the duration that we can have on energy storage and providing greater resilience for the state. Um, so what's next for EPIC? Um, what's next is a lot of different types of, of, of research areas that we think are critical to the state. There's some on this slide that you can take a look at that are expanding upon our uh, current portfolio. But I wanna point out while I'm on this slide, a couple of things, and that is uh, at, with the current renewal of the EPIC program, we will be in the process next year of developing our next five-year investment plan. That plan will be developed with stakeholder input. And so we will be look, if you are interested in being engaged in the development of that research uh, portfolio and interested in identifying and helping us craft the most critical priorities to focus on over the next five years. I recommend that you stay engaged, check on our website for the um, CEC's EPIC website and we'll have information in there as we move into the early part of next year. So we'll probably be starting to announce stakeholder uh, workshops in the January timeframe 
that will um, engage the public to get uh, feedback on the pri research priorities for moving forward. So with that, I will wrap up.